to the Jurassic Park 3 Minutes, where we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, One Minute of Time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And on this minute, we'll be discussing Minute 21 of Jurassic Park 3. But before we get to that, David, we um, had something very special come across the social medias in the last couple of days. Yes, we did. I, we, we mentioned a few, I think it would have been November, where uh, we reached out and made contact with Todd Marks, who was... He worked on The Lost World, and uh, he said that he had some special behind-the-scenes stuff, and we've seen some of that released so far, but the last couple of days he's sort of posted up a photo of a call sheet. Yeah, he did. In fact, a couple of things from him, his interesting things from him have come in, in the last couple of days. He popped up on the Replica Prop Forum, and there's a member there who's currently doing a... Um, a replica of the Marksman, what was it, the Marksman GPS, the Eddie, uh... Yeah, yeah, Eddie's handheld GPS, yep. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to search for it real quick here. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Poses some information, some of the technical, uh, like the, um, some of the stuff that you need to recreate it and stuff like that, but I think the most interesting thing he made in that post is that the name Marksman actually comes from a combination of his last name and the last name of Harold and Alex Mann of Mann Consulting in San Francisco who were hired to build the playback graphics. Oh, well. And they just whipped it up in a uh, gold in like a uh, gold typeface and printed it out and put it on a black piece of paper. Against a black piece of paper. And that's the label that we see in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sort of resembles that sort of Magellan GPS font from memory. Mm. But yeah, and even sort of moving on to the um, the call sheet, like it's just it's great. Um, this is for insert shots for the Lost World for Friday, December sixth, nineteen ninety six. So um, it's the sixty sixth day of filming out of seventy four, which sort of puts it. You get that sort of time frame of. Um, mm like how early the Bowman scene on Sauna was filmed, where we have that that November 11th newspaper or November 12th newspaper, whatever it was. So that was shot at the start of the, start of the production where here we're doing pick-up shots or insert shots towards the very end, some of which on the back lot, some of which on uh, stage 27, stage 22, and stage 24. Some interesting ones here, mention a couple... They had to retake a couple of photos of or a couple of shots of um, the GPS in Eddie's hand, one moving and one not, which I suppose that shot in Eddie's hand while moving is the one we get in the final, the final film because you're sort of moving around, you can't get a, a good clear shot at it unless you've mm-hmm. got the Blu-ray now. But a couple of other things on the back lot too, you've got um, uh, the the Raptor when it gets kicked out of the kiln house. Mm-hmm. That's on that's on the stage, but um, there's a uh, insert shot of it falling in amongst the piping for the power plant that wasn't in the film. They must have reshot that on that and used that um, it falling on the wood or the debris from the window that got kicked out. And one interesting one here too, it must be from when um, Roland and RJ are tracking the Tyrannosaur, but you get a um, Roland's POV of a bloody leaf mm-hmm. that was meant to be a insert, insert shot on the jungle trail. Any other there? Any others there that are sort of jumping out? Um... I think it's interesting that they give that there's no given official last name here for Kelly's character. 
I mean, we got Ian Malcolm, Sarah Harding, Nick Van Owen, Peter Ludlow, Roland Tembo, and then there's just Kelly. Yeah, no, I just noticed that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's interesting that they've only named Kelly by Kelly and not um, last name. Yeah, no Malcolm, no Curtis, nothing. Hmm. Yeah, that is that is very interesting. Interesting. Because <laughs> um, yeah, the the cast and day players for the uh, scenes they're doing insert shots, of course. Ian, Sarah, Kelly, Nick, Peter, or yeah, Peter Ludlow and Roland Tembo, and then three of the stunt, or the stunt director and two stunt guys. Because one of those shots too is of the um, the close-up of the winch when the hunter fires mm-hmm. at the Pachycephalosaurus, um, or the close-up of the hunter's gun anyway. But it's just great seeing more like some of this stuff come out, even though it's just something simple like a call sheet. But it's sort of interesting that some of that stuff, like the um, like the the grassy plane, like the GPS in his hand was all done on the back lot and not on um, not up at Eureka. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I'll have to look at the uh, background next time because now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think you actually see any of the trees. You just see a sunny sky. Or mm. blue sky with some clouds in it, I think. Well, I'm trying to think too to that deleted scene where you have Ian, Eddie, and Nick sort of in the, the scrubby bush there where I think uh, Nick suggests splitting up mm-hmm. and it's sort of it's sort of it's where that scene goes into where we got the shot of um, Eddie holding the GPS and I'm the, with all the power cables then on the ground it, it, it seems like it's just sort of off to the side of the operations building somewhere in that sort of shrubby um, bit of overgrowth area there but could be yeah I mean, there's all kinds of tricks uh, to movie making, as we've discussed plenty of times on the show. So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways they could have made stuff look like other stuff. Yeah, yeah. One thing I think is interesting is that there's a shot here that's not in the movie, but is labeled here, and it's a Roland actually taking the gun out of the case before putting it together. And we see, I believe that's in the script, where we see uh, Roland actually taking the gun out of the case and explaining to Ludlow the uh, about the gun, about how it was his grandfather's given him to him by some guy. Yeah, it was definitely in the pro-San Diego script. Um, but again, like that all happened while they were at Eureka <laughs> on the side of the game trail there. Mm-hmm. So, But it, it, the pickup shot for that, or the insert shot for here says the back lot. So. No, I mean, they could have easily just taken one of the Jeeps and stuck it on a... Uh, stuck it in some field and you'd never notice the difference, you know? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. I'm just sure there was back. a close-up shot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just have the background a bit fuzzy, blurred out, so you can't really see what's behind them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would come with the depth of field, or you just don't show the background, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the way you edit would edit it into the film was you'd see the shot of him standing there in... Uh, the Redwoods, then you'd see a close-up of the gun, then a shot of him putting it together back in the Redwoods, and you never know, know the difference, you know? Yeah, yep. Well, yeah, that's it. There's a lot of those tricks that are already in the film <laughs> exactly. that they use. I mean, there's there's scenes in, in these movies where one where one character is technically at a completely different location, miles away from where the other character is, and you're made to think they're having a conversation in the same spot. Yeah, yep. Yep, the magic of filmmaking. Yeah. 
edit it together to make it look like they're having a conversation. I mean, it's the things you can do with movies. It's just out of his mind. I guess that's the thing why they call it Hollywood magic, though, right? Hmm. <laughs> yep. Let's try the toothbrush. Can you fly one of those? Maybe. As long as the sail's not torn. Well, let's take it. Um, anything else on that you want to discuss before we get into today's minute? Yeah, I think we're good. As we ended minute 20 of Jurassic Park 3, Amanda was calling Ben and Eric's name through the bullhorn. Grant and Billy had come out of the plane, and Grant had told Paul that she shouldn't be making that much noise, and it's a very bad idea. And then we get the ominous roar of a large animal. As we open on minute 21, Udeski and Nash come sprinting from the jungle. Udeski yelling at the group, we have to leave, right now. At the 9 second mark, Nash has overtaken Udeski and ran straight into the plane, getting ready to fire her up. As Udeski pushes Billy and Grant onto the plane, Billy asks, what about the other guy? Udeski replies, Cooper's a professional, he can handle himself. Just as gunshots echo through the jungle again, followed by a roar. At the 25 second mark, as Udeski pulls the door closed, Nash has got the engines fired up and the plane begins to move straight away, turning around and pointing back down the runway from where it had come. At the 40 second mark, as the plane powers down the runway, we cut inside the jungle, as Cooper's running through the ferns, back towards the airstrip, holding his arm. At the 50 second mark, Cooper emerges on the end of the airstrip and starts waving his hand as he sees the airplane approaching. Everyone in the plane can see him, but Nash doesn't slow down. And as the minute ends, Cooper's saying stop to himself, the look of despair and fear on his face. As we end the last minute, Amanda's sort of been told off for yelling through the bullhorn that there's a bad idea and we get the roar from the animal and then we hear several gunshots. Amanda watches Udesky and then Nash come running out of the jungle and Udesky cries out, we have to leave, we have to leave right now. Yeah. As they both right run... Now, right now, we, we gotta yep. go. <laughs> <laughs> both run past her and head straight for the plane, which it sort of does make you wonder, or with the, the, loud, or the, the loud roar we heard before, we know it's a large animal and they've obviously taken a couple of shots at it and really pissed mm-hmm. it off and yeah. know that they can't stop it. So the best thing to do now is to get in the plane and get out of there. We never actually see what is there. and uh, We never actually see any like gunshot wounds or anything on the dinosaur. On the, I mean, on the Spinosaurus. So we don't, don't know if they actually hit it or if they just kind of shot at it and missed. Well, yeah, and we're, we're going to touch on that again too when the plane does take off and draw blood on the Spinosaurus. You never see that damage either. True. Um, which is always... Well, actually, um, no, wait, no, you do, you do. Oh, do you? Yeah, it's on both the CGI model and the animatronic, you do see um, a gash at the hip uh, where the plane would have hit it. Because I know there had been some speculation among fans before that perhaps this was the the female, and the one we get chasing them later is the male. No, and that's why no. it's so hell bent is because you just killed their mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I have heard that as well. But no, you do see the gash on the leg, or it's it's more like around on the thigh where the the plane struck struck it, and then the obviously, I mean, they didn't. I mean, the blood mostly hit on the windshield. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. all right. We'll get to that next minute. That's <laughs> when it all <laughs> comes into it. But they rejoin the group at the plane. Nash doesn't miss a beat as he runs straight up the cockpit <laughs> and quickly gets into the plane and saying, get into the plane, get into the plane, get into the plane, over and over as he's running. And the uh, the others all sort of climb in behind him. 
we cut to inside the players. Nash hurries up quickly to send Isle towards the cockpit and outside. Billy and Grant have pretty much been pushed up the ladder by Udesky, which <laughs> it's very good of him to sort of get them on board before himself. <laughs> well, after what he's just seen, you'd think he'd be the first one on behind Nash and more worried about getting the plane off the ground than what the uh, others are doing. Because <laughs> it could be their fault if they stay behind. <laughs> he told them to get on the plane. But uh, Billy asks, what about the other guy? As they go up the ladder and Udesky replies that Cooper's a professional, he can handle himself. Just as another roar's heard and another gunshot echoes out of the jungle again. <laughs> Which, I don't... You could be a professional in anything, I don't think you're going to be prepared. With dealing <laughs> with the Spinosaur. <laughs> as they climb into the plane, Udesky closes the door behind him and everyone takes a seat and Nash fires up the plane's engines. And uh, the plane turns around. At the start of the scene... When we're here, we've seen the plane parking point down the long runway and it seemed to stretch away for a good mile or so in front of it towards those mountains where the power lines were. And sort of now you can assume that they're turning around this building and that's in the middle of the airstrip and then the airstrip's probably going to go a mile back the other way as well. Mm. Um, just especially how long it takes for the plane to take off. But sort of briefly looking at runways in general, for a plane under... 200,000 pounds or 90 tonnes, the standard runway length's 600 feet or 1.8 kilometres, which this plane's definitely, for that, sort of suits this size runway. Planes over that size, you need about 8,000 feet or 2.4 kilometres, um, and that's at sea level. Of course, altitudes change as um, mm-hmm. runways need to be longer, but um, since it's a military long way, uh, runway, it would need to be long enough for military transports yeah. Um, so it's possible that this is this could be one of the main ways since we've never seen a harbour this could be one of the main ways they actually got mm-hmm. building materials and that onto the island was with sort of cargo planes because the runway is long enough yeah they could have just trucked them through the jungle to uh, mm. wherever they needed to be because I mean we do see the Eric's water truck later in the movie kind of just sitting there in the middle of the jungle <laughs> didn't just like land there so i'm assuming that there must have been a road there at some point well yeah and we'll get to when we get to the lab the lab when all that stuff when they leave in the both the novel and the script they actually leave through the rear through um the lab mm-hmm. compound there's actual construction equipment parked there which um I'm, oh, it's a pity we didn't get that in the film but um it would have answered a few more questions i think especially about what we see later with the marina and that but but it also it also means too that a corporate jet, Ludlow's corporate jet, could have easily landed on this runway and had the had the um had the distance to take off either way. Mm-hmm. And even where um when you're looking at the runway just beside the or between the main building and the abandoned work truck, there's a sign up with 15, which most runways have the sort of the distance signs along their length. And yeah. this 15 could be 1.5 miles. It could be. It could be that could like how at what point along the runway they're at that the 1.5 mile mark, which most most runways have. So I was gonna say I do think it's interesting. I'm just checking out some of the screen caps here. Is that in the trees that Cooper runs out of when we're looking at him running out onto the air onto the airfield, we do I can see a some planes uh, like an open space between that airfield and on the other side of the tree. So it could have been possible that they were shooting at something out in the open. Yeah. Yep. Well, then that, and that, yeah, that's something else when we get to there too. So this whole, whole scene of them going into the jungle, encountering the Spinosaur and then coming back, 
mm-hmm. we know very little about. We did they come across its nest? Was it out there drinking? Was it like even yes, it might have been attracted by the bullhorn, but I don't. Being an animal, I don't see it just running straight towards the sound like it would have been cautious approaching. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's probably no way that I mean, even most large predators, unless they know that you could, that they could take you down. Which, to be honest, I mean, a spinosaurus probably would know that. <laughs> would um, try would try would otherwise leave you alone. I mean, especially if it's not hungry, there's no reason that a lion would just attack you. Yeah, well, even going back to the original Jurassic Park, when the Tyrannosaur comes out of the jungle behind Muldoon and um, Ellie in the Jeep, like, it comes out, looks left and right. It's only when Muldoon gasses the engine and takes off, it looks directly at him and starts giving chase. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's another true thing as well, is that a lot, uh, most animals will give chase to you if you're... Um, if you're moving, I mean, there's animals out there that will completely ignore a stationary target, but if you run from it, that's when it gives chase. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. That's why, I mean, even if you're on herbivores, you're not supposed to, like, run at them, because they'll, they'll take a defensive stance and, and then charge it back at you. Well, you hear that all the time when there's deer on the road, or big animals like that where people are told not to drive up to them and beep your horn because they'll turn around and ram the front of your car and set the airbag off. Well, that actually happened to me. Well, not, I didn't get rammed by one today, but I was trying to um, get some, I was out in the forest today, it was snowing, and I come up to, I come up to two deer, a duck and a, I mean, uh, a duck, a buck <laughs> and a doe. And Deadly so, ducks. <laughs> And so I'm trying to quietly get as close to them as possible to get a good shot. And and all of a sudden they just bolt. And I look yeah. behind me and there's a duck guy coming up with his dog. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Cutting back inside the aeroplane, everyone's putting their seatbelts on as Udesky tries to walk up the aisle as the plane swings around. And he's having a bit of a bit of a trouble walking up the aisle. But um, we cut to a man and she's upset. And um, the upset that they're leaving... And mounts the pole, we can't, but he reassures her, saying it's okay, we'll circle the island. Udesky gets into the cockpit and straps in, or sits down and helps Nash with his seatbelt as um, Nash throttles up the engines for takeoff, which is sort of, they're clearly trying to get takeoff speed here when he throws that throttle forward, but in sort of novel in the script, it's sort of just taxiing to the end of the runway, which sort of doesn't make much sense when it needs to hit the Spinosaur, then crash. <laughs> I think what I believe they did was they came in and went to the end of the runway, turned the plane around, and then took off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I believe that's what is described in the in the uh, script in the novel, is that they had to go back to the end of the runway to get enough um, runway to take off. Yeah, yeah. But we um we cut into the jungle as Cooper's running through sort of a nice uh, we don't get much of it but sort of that dark misty foliage yeah the fog in that there as well and he's holding his arm which is interesting but uh, it's clearly in, in, imaged it's clearly in uh, injured and we see that in the next couple of minutes too where he's standing there holding his arm and not really moving it but um inside the plane everyone's holding on as it accelerates forward. 
if you look at the uh, uh, still of it, it almost looks like there's also some uh, scratches on his face and neck as well. So I'm wondering if he's just run, running through the foliage and he somehow hurt his arm and face when running through the foliage. I mean, because you run through a forest, you, you're going to get whacked by branches and stuff, you know? Well, yeah, my thought too is that he's ran into a tree. <laughs> he's been panic stricken and ran into a tree or something. But... He could have been. He could have, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Because he doesn't, even later on, he, like, he doesn't move that arm at all. He can't, it just dangles by his side. So it's, it seems like he's broken a collarbone or broken something or strained something pretty badly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that is a, I mean among the mysteries of Jurassic, of this movie, this is another one of them. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, you, they, we just never get an answer to it and we probably never will. No, Cooper emerges from the jungle, and he's a, he's a fair distance away from where the park was. The plane was parked originally. <laughs> like he's almost at the end of the runway here, which is sort of odd because this end of the runway is the end that sort of comes out onto the main runway. So all that tree, all those trees, and that behind him must be CG'd in. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, otherwise that would just be straight ocean out there, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd see a clear view to the ocean behind him. Yeah. But he puts his hand up, he puts his good hand up in the air and starts to wave to the plane. But um, inside the plash, inside the plane, Nash and Udesky see him, but Cooper's yelling to stop and um, Grant sees him all and says, hey, that's a Cooper. Which, after he just punched him, you'd think he'd be, yeah, well, <laughs> die. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure he doesn't want to just leave the guy behind. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit menacing, a bit mean. But then, yeah, we get that shot down the runway as the plane is approaching at speed, and and that's where we mentioned last minute about the power lines on that hill mm-hmm. behind them. But yeah, and as the minute ends, we zoom in on Cooper's face, sweaty, and clearly seems like he's defeated <laughs> and scared. Um, it pretty much obviously looks like they're not going to stop, and then we get this close-up here of Udesky, I mean, not Udesky, uh, Nash saying, you know I can't stop this plane, get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, which that's that's the thing. They're sort of um, money for hire. They're there, the, mm-hmm. being their mercenaries. There, like their number one job is to protect the civilians. So mm-hmm. he know he knows that any any attempt to stop that plane is going to stop it from being able to take off and get them to safety. So mm-hmm. well, another thing is, I mean, obviously the guy, the these two guys have worked together before, and it kind of as. If, were, if I were a fresh audience member, it would make me think, what did they just see in there that left them so scared, you know? Well... That he's not stopping the plane. He's willing to run this guy over to get off this island. Well, exactly. For for Cooper, being a professional, like, to run out in the way of the aeroplane, especially when we see later, we'll see next minute, but the animal's clearly chasing him, like he's luring that animal out onto that runway where it's going to be bad news for everyone. But I suppose how many times in movies do you have sort of people like that that have to take a board or something then can't can't at the end or they're so scared they sort of don't act as themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm sure happens in real life as well. <laughs> Hell, if I jump out of a plane, I'll be too scared to pull the parachute cord. <laughs> There's no way you're getting me to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> no way. <laughs> just just going to throw that out there. Yeah, no way. I, I, 
I have mad respect for paratroopers for that reason. Well, especially when they've got no say in it, they just hook onto the hook on and jump out, and the, the chute's got to pull yeah. itself. <laughs> You're getting out of this plane with or without a parachute, <laughs> but you You're will gonna... not be on this on this plane. You're gonna you're gonna hit the ground with or without a parachute. We <laughs> <laughs> better grab the parachute, son. Yeah. <laughs> but quickly going into the script and novel comparisons, um, in the script we're sort of same as we see in the film again, which most of it is. Um, although we're told that Cooper's drooped arm is badly injured, which might explain some of the pain on his face here. Mm-hmm. And in the novel, we get some more back and forth between Alan and Billy after Jesse closes the door. Billy asks him. What about Cooper? Or what about the other guy? And Udesky replies that Coop's a professional. He can handle himself. And Nash yells back from the cockpit, we're leaving. Udesky leaves Billy and makes for the cockpit. And Billy's clearly upset. And he looks to Grant for guidance. But Grant tells him to sit down and strap in. There's nothing either of us can do. Which sort of just gives a little bit more dialogue inside the plane. With yeah. They're not all, not all happy about just leaving Cooper behind. I mean, there's really no good choice here. You know, I mean, you either leave Cooper behind or you stay and you all die, you know? Yeah. It's, not, it's like one of those trolley and a baby uh, moral <laughs> situations, you know? Yep. But that's um, that's minute 22. No, that's minute 21. <laughs> Anything else you want to discuss before we get heavy for today? Uh, no, I think we're good. Uh, covered that pretty well. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find The Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.